it's not only the climate that is changing. Human activities are changing the whole Earth system. Yet the focus of climate change mitigation and adaptation practices has often been limited to energy production and the structural shift towards renewable energy. How did we get here? And how can we prevent the crisis from intensifying further? Today's guest shares with us how fresh water can make or break our ability to successfully implement many climate change mitigation solutions and how perhaps it may be time to change our mindset and to learn to examine our current situation through a whole earth systems lens. My name is Annette Hertwig. Welcome to the Resilience Hub's COP27 special podcast series on Rethink Talks. I'm a researcher at the Planetary Boundaries uh, Research Lab and one of the theme leaders of the Anthropocene Dynamic Theme at Stockholm Resilience Center, Stockholm University in Sweden. Broadly speaking, I study the role of water, fresh water, for socio-ecological and earth system resilience. So in my research, for example, I address questions such as what is the role of land use for sustaining the water cycle? How does the water provide resilience for society and ecosystems uh, at the local to global scale? What are the synergies and trade-offs between land, climate and water-related policy interventions? Most recently, I have led a reassessment of the planetary boundary for green water. So green water means the plant available water, so all water in soil that uh, are needed for terrestrial ecosystem to survive. In our reassessment, we found that human disruption of the freshwater cycle now unfortunately transgress a planetary safe limit. We found that larger parts of the world are now subject to significantly drier or water soil than ever before. And this shift towards extreme conditions is an extremely alarming development due to the indispensable role of water in maintaining resilient societies and ecosystems. Over the past years, I've also been involved in a large research project, a report on the role of freshwater in and for climate mitigation. Often we tend to think of freshwater, something we think of in climate adaptation, but here we're explicitly dealing with freshwater for climate mitigation. This was a collaboration with the Deutsche Gesellschaft für Internationale Zusammenarbeit, Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research, the United Nations Development Program, and Stockholm International Water Institute. The report is entitled The Essential Drop to Reach Net Zero, Unpacking Freshwater's Role in Climate Change Mitigation. And we do plan to launch this at COP27, that's the Water Pavilion. In this report, we go through sector by sector why, where, and how freshwater can be potentially integrated into climate change mitigation plans and activities. If this interests you, um, please keep an eye out for it. So societies are 
incredibly dependent on water. And we have always, of course, struggled with the problems of too much and too little water. Some people more than others, some societies more than others. However, um, the pressures that we now see, the sheer scale, the rate of change, and the root causes of the freshwater cycle changes that we see goes beyond what I've experienced so far. The threats now are not just local or temporary, rather these water risks are now interacting with other human pressures, severe human pressures on biodiversity loss, climate change, of course, but also soil degradation, soil erosion, pollution, and all of these are together setting damaging changes in motion that are difficult to limit and difficult to reverse. We are going beyond natural variability within the known envelope, the known conditions that our societies have uh, attuned us to. Instead, we are facing system destabilization. So it's a new type of change that we're now seeing. I can give you some examples. One is how climate change and deforestation are now together making the Amazon rainforest increasingly drier. And these drying and dying trees are bad at generating rainfall for itself and bad at capturing carbon emissions. Recent research actually suggests that Amazon might stop helping us to absorb carbon altogether within the next decades and instead start emitting carbon into the atmosphere. This to be, seems to be happening much earlier than previously thought. We're talking about this rainforest, this Amazon rainforest. It's a rainforest that makes up roughly 40% of global tropical forest that stores 112 billion tons of carbon and harbors 25% of land-based life. Another example is the mystery of methane emissions. Uh, methane is a greenhouse gas that is around 30 times more potent than carbon dioxide, but it lives shorter in the atmosphere. So for large parts of the problem, we have been focusing on carbon. But for some years now, the atmosphere concentration of methane has been soaring, and we were not sure why this is happening. And now the most recent research suggests that freshwater, in fact, may be a key player in this as well. So we see that a comprehensive mapping of uh, methane emission sources shows that around half of it comes from aquatic ecosystems. And the continued urbanization, eutrophication, including climate feedbacks that are involved with this, will further lead to increases in the methane emission. We also don't know why methane appears to stay for a longer time in the atmosphere. So their lifetime in the atmosphere appears to be increasing. One theory that is still being investigated is that it might be that the hydroxyl radicals uh, that are taking the methane out of the atmosphere has been decreasing, potentially because of wildfires that are consuming these radicals. So you see it, the Earth system is a very complex um, system that we're just now starting to understand and unravel. So if any of these kind of self-amplifying feedbacks are triggered, sustainability actions will essentially be running uphill 
we are literally turning the nature against us. We also seem to lack the humbleness needed as we now enter uncharted territory in the Earth system. Of course, we tend to think that space science, rocket science are difficult, but we do not realize that the Earth system is in fact literally the most complex place in the entire known cosmos. We're not dealing just with physical laws, but we're also dealing with complex co-evolutionary interactions and dynamics that include living organisms and human agency. So the ride that we are now on into this uncharted territory for our Earth system, we need to have a lot of humbleness, I think, as we enter this new phase. So as you see, the Earth system is so complex, but often, I think maybe it's also the human nature that we tend to try to simplify problems, which is not necessarily a bad property in itself. But surprisingly often, at least outside the academic circles, the climate change problem appears to be too often reduced to an energy issue, as if all would be fine and good if you only manage to switch over to renewable energy sources or low uh, emission energy sources. This is by no way to deny that fossil sources are absolutely the main culprit of the climate change that we see. There's no doubt about that. But, and there are so many buts, First of all, uh, a radical transformation to renewable and low emission source energies need water. However, under ongoing climate change, we can no longer take the availability of water for granted. For example, we saw this summer how heat waves led to disruptions in electricity production of nuclear power plants in France. The water taken from surface water bodies for cooling purposes was simply too hot. We also see that there are many suggestions of using biomass production, so plantations of fast-growing water-demanding trees or crop species, so that these can store carbon and or fuel energy production. But these trees need water. Don't only need water, but also have many risks in terms of causing local water shortages, in terms of causing biodiversity loss and harm to local communities and livelihoods, which all needs to be managed. And then we also forget that water and land in themselves are incredibly important as regulators of the Earth system's carbon cycle. Currently, as of now, land systems soak up around 30% of all anthropogenic carbon emissions. And as I mentioned, there are rising concerns that limitations in water availability could cause natural ecosystems to become a net source of carbon in the future. In the Amazon, this is already starting to happen. And also, let's not forget that the land systems, such as the grassland, savannas, forests, peatlands, etc., they store, in fact, vastly more greenhouse gas together than all fossil gas and oil together. This is a fact that many people tend to forget. So if all of these carbon stored in peatland would be released, it would be truly catastrophic. I think there are probably many reasons for this. 
one reason I can think of is that generation of energy is a very active human actions, whereas the regulation of the carbon cycle and other earth system processes um, provided by water and land are happening in the quiet and therefore invisible to human society. The issues related to energy generations are very connected to issues that policymakers typically deal with taxes, employment, workers. Workers can negotiate contracts, they can go on strikes, but peace lines don't. So I think this adds a layer of invisibility to the services that they provide. The other is also that when land and water are suffering from severe knowledge and um, measurability gap, it was actually only in 2017 that a team of scientists from the UK and the Republic of Congo announced that they discovered a massive peatland the size of England in the Congo Basin. And it appears that this wetland holds about 20 times as much carbon as the release of fossil fuel burned in the US in a year. I think there's something absolutely absurd with the fact that the discovery of this massive peatland was made only in 2017, 48 years after the moon landing. We forget that land and water are still our allies. They are still helping us to sequester carbon. But the question is, for how long? The ability to do so have already been declining for decades. The peak strengths in carbon sequestration across all tropical forests happened decades ago. I think there also may be a need in thinking about terminology. In the past, we talked about global warming, but we now change the term to climate change because we understand it's not just a warming, it's entire climate that is changing. And perhaps we should no longer talk about simply climate change, but in fact, Earth system change, acknowledging that the changes is no longer just a change in climate, in the atmosphere, but in the entire Earth system. I think we really need to take water cycle processes in the Earth system into consideration uh, as we talk about climate mitigation. We need to think about all those dynamic interactions and be humble about everything that we still don't know. Uh, there are many scenarios for achieving the Paris Agreement that require rapid reductions in fossil fuel emissions, but these are also fundamentally dependent on the biosphere services in terms of the carbon sinks that these natural systems uh, are providing in terms of carbon sinks, storage and sequestration. And in many cases, if we are going to in the long term, manage to limit warming to 1.5 degrees or well below 2 degrees, we will also need to not only stop releasing greenhouse gas emissions, but we need to remove the carbon that has already been released. We need negative emissions. And for those, we will again need the assistance from the biosphere. So we need investment in nature uh, and seeing the biosphere as a whole. I think it's a mind shift change. It's a paradigm shift in how we think about utilizing the earth system. I think also that we need 
very ambitious goals and plans, we can't aim for the least ambitious goal. We have to account for the uncertainties in the Earth system. I think again and again, we are surprised uh, in sciences and in policy how fast the ice are melting, how fast the droughts are increasing and how severe the droughts and floods are becoming. So the Earth system keeps surprising us and often in a in a bad way than the other way around. So I think we rather than trying to get away with least ambitious goals, we rather need to maximize our mitigation targets so that we have the margins on the right side. We need to account for all these water dependent mitigation measures under a changing climate because the climate is already changing. So we need to account for increasing drought, flooding and needs for irrigation as we go along. If there's one thing I would like our decision makers to really remind themselves that fresh water is the bloodstream of the biosphere. They need to take consideration of the fundamental role of fresh water in the earth system. We should be aware that water can really make or break our ability to successfully implement climate mitigation. Thank you for listening to the Resilience Hub's COP27 podcast series on Rethink Talks. This season is a collaboration between the Stockholm Resilience Center and the Resilience Hub. We will release new podcast episodes throughout COP27, and we invite you to listen to additional episodes and previous seasons on rethink.earth.